This is Performance Deliver, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered Insider Secrets for Digital Marketing Success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. Today, we're going to talk about how to create evergreen content for SEO. Here to speak with me about the topic is SQ, who is responsible for marketing and customer success at AREFs, a trusted SEO platform powered by industry-leading data. In his role, among other things, he crafts unique and authoritative content pieces for the AREFs blog. SQ, great to have you on the show. Yeah, great to be on the show too. SQ, you know, I always love to, to find out um, how the people I'm talking to start in advertising. How did you start in advertising? Okay, so for me, I was actually in the army. So I, I'm from Singapore. So mm -hmm. in Singapore, uh, we have to serve a compulsory two years in the military. And because I was just in between schools, waiting to go to university, uh, I was in the army. And, you know, I there were periods of, there were pockets of time where I had nothing to do, basically. So I started picking up books and reading. And it was this period where I kind of discovered uh, Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Work Week. And uh, that was a very inspirational book for me because uh, in a conservative Singapore society, a lot of us are taught to be uh, employees, you know, get a good job and just earn a decent salary month after month. But for a work week actually introduced me to concepts like entrepreneurship, uh, marketing, and stuff like that. And it really got me into trying to find out more about what this whole, you know, entrepreneurship thing is about. And from then on, I started getting interested in marketing, started reading marketing books, like books by Jay Abraham, by Dan Kennedy, uh, even tried to learn copywriting. And... After that, I had a friend who was working in HR for a tech startup. He, uh, he hired me, got me into marketing. They are one of their first few marketing hires. And, you know, from there, I just started, you know, playing around with marketing, testing the different strategies that I read about online and in books, in podcasts. And from there, I mean, it's a long story. So from there, I, I kind of met like David Fayam, who is currently head of Asia marketing at HubSpot. He was then head of marketing at Referral Candy. He invited me to join as content marketing manager. And then one year later, I met Tim Solo, who is the head of marketing at uh, HREFs. And, you know, that's how I came to HREFs, basically. That's my career to date. So when did you first get in touch with SEO and especially content development? I came upon SEO and content marketing when I was in my first job at the tech startup. So it was a relatively new startup. They didn't have a lot of money. Uh, they didn't give me like budget to play with. So I couldn't really do like PPC or paid advertising. So I had to do a lot of research and reading about like free traffic strategies, basically. And uh, it was then like a lot of marketers online. Like I think at a point of time, I was reading stuff from Brian Dean, who is known as Backlinko online. I was reading stuff from uh, Noah Kagan and uh, some other marketers. 
uh, John Morrow from Smart Blogger. And it was then I learned that, you know, if you don't have money, you have time. And if you have time, you can kind of like create content and try to get it to rank on Google. So you get passive traffic over time. And uh, that was how I got started. Basically, I tried to replicate like the skyscraper technique, you know, that was taught by Brian at a point of time. And uh, yeah. And from then, I just started learning about how to create long form content, how to kind of uh, do outreach, build links, sort of, and stuff like that. Now you work at Ahrefs, as I said, which is an SEO platform that helps marketers improve their SEO. Tell the listeners a little bit about the platform. Okay, so uh, Ahrefs is a tool set that you know helps you grow your search traffic and research your competitors. So it is kind of a all-in-one SEO platform. We have five major tools. Uh, they are known as Site Explorer, Content Explorer, uh, Rank Tracker, Site Audit, and Keywords Explorer. So basically, if you are doing SEO or if you are in the SEO industry, usually what they do is that if they want to do certain aspects of SEO, they will have to invest their marketing budget into buying several tools. So, for example, if they want to run a audit of their site, they might uh, purchase a tool like Screaming Frog. And if they want to, say, do keyword research, they might use maybe a couple of free tools like Answer the Public, or they might invest in a certain uh, professional or paid premium keyword tool. So the strength of Hrefs is that with just one pricing, uh, we have four plans right now that differs based on the amount of data you can get from the platform. But, you know, with just one pricing, you can basically get access to uh, our, all our major tools, which allows you to do almost every aspect of SEO. So you can do competitor research, keyword research, content research. You can run a technical audit of your site. You can uh, track the rankings of your site and stuff like that. Great. So we're obviously talking about SEO, which is uh, search engine optimization. And what search engine optimization is, is to optimize your site contents and your site in general to uh, achieve high rankings in search engines or on search engine result pages. SQ, what elements are part of a successful SEO strategy? Okay, so uh, in my opinion, it might differ from maybe different SEOs, but I think in my opinion, a SEO strategy has kind of like five steps. Uh, so you have to do keyword research, of course. You have to uh, create great content that matches search intent for Google. And you have to build links to those pieces of content or even those pages that you want to rank on Google. You have to run uh, technical audits to make sure that your site is uh, good for Google to crawl and index because if there are any technical issues and Googlebot can't crawl your site, then all your efforts go to waste, basically. And the final step is to uh, track your rankings, you know, track your results and find out if there is anything that you're not doing right, if there's anything you can improve on, and then basically just rinse and repeat the process over and over again. So there are obviously several parts to a successful SEO strategy and we will not be able to go into each of those individual parts today. But I think two areas we're going to touch upon today, which is keywords and content. Um, keywords, obviously, because when you develop content, content is usually developed based on 
a search query or a keyword that you deem as important for the services or the products that you want to promote. In particular today, we want to talk about evergreen content, as um, mentioned in the intro earlier. So, SQ, what is evergreen content? Okay, so if you Google evergreen content, basically what uh, most articles online would say that evergreen content is essentially content that uh, never goes out of date. So evergreen content basically revolves around a topic that's always relevant to readers, regardless of whatever is happening currently in the news cycle, or regardless of the season, whether it's winter or whether it's a Christmas or stuff like that. Uh, so basically, why it is called evergreen? Uh, the name comes from the evergreen tree. So it is a tree or a plant that retains its green leaves all year round. It doesn't shed its leaves uh, in autumn or winter. Yeah, so that's why uh, marketers, I guess, being the geniuses they are, they decided to take the name from the plant. Yep, so... Okay. Yeah, so just so, evergreen content, yeah. Okay, so you mentioned topics are obviously important. You want to find a topic that is relevant, 365 days a year and a topic that is relevant to a company's business. Tell the listeners a little bit more about topics. It obviously is different to content. So where is the difference between topics and content? Okay, so uh, when I mentioned, if you Google the topic evergreen content, a lot of articles will talk about how evergreen content is basically content that never goes out of date. But uh, the issue, or at least the issue that I find is, is that it is not so clear-cut or straightforward because I believe that there are two aspects which you've mentioned. Uh, there is an evergreen topic and evergreen content. So an evergreen topic are uh, essentially a, are topics that have basically consistent interest and search volume over time. So these are topics that uh, no matter which year is it, whether it is today, or 2119, or you know, 2200, people will always want to know about these topics. So some examples that I can think of, it's a how to lose weight. So I believe that no matter what year it is, whether it was 100 years before, today, or 100 years later, people will want to know how to lose weight, right? It is an important topic. I don't believe that it is a topic that will lose interest over time. Another example, is uh, how to fry an egg. So uh, at least I hope there is an evergreen topic because I love eggs. And uh, <laughs> I think many people will still want to learn how to fry an egg in the foreseeable future. Unless there is an invention that fries eggs automatically, then maybe the topic will lose interest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, there is, uh, those are evergreen topics. But evergreen content is content about an evergreen, con uh, evergreen topic that never goes out of date. So you can have an evergreen topic and you can have evergreen content about those topics. Okay, so uh, here are some examples of ever evergreen content. Uh, if you're talking about how to lose weight, then there might be, uh, if you Google like how to lose weight, you might see articles from like Healthline that has been published since 2007. And uh, it's still evergreen, it still works. Uh, the fundamentals of weight loss is the same, basically. So that no matter how outdated that piece of content is, it is still evergreen because 
the fundamentals doesn't change. Same for how to fry an egg. So uh, at least from my limited knowledge of cooking, uh, the techniques for frying an egg is pretty much the same, no matter which year it is. So whatever post they will write in, say, 2007 or 2017 or 2027, it will be evergreen, essentially. Is there a number out there on how many content pieces you should create for each evergreen topic? Is there a limit there? For me personally, there is no limit. So uh, I can give you an example for our blog at Hrefs. So uh, the hrefs.com blog is currently receiving about 200,000 uh, search visits a month purely from Google. And uh, what we've done is essentially just focusing on evergreen topics and evergreen content. Uh, we, like, we are in the SEO industry, so things change a lot in the industry. You know, every time, uh, an example is like almost every year, Google comes up with an update. So I think just recently, Google came out with an update. And, you know, many people in the SEO industry would scramble to cover like the latest updates, the news, and, you know, uh, give opinions or like theories on why it's happening, what the update is about and stuff like that. But for us, uh, we don't cover anything like that at all. We only focus on the most fundamental evergreen topics like on-page SEO, like a link building, like outreach. And uh, yeah, so these topics never change. The techniques and the fundamentals are uh, generally similar, no matter which year is it, no matter how many times Google updates its algorithm. So yeah, we only cover evergreen content and evergreen topic. And so far, we are doing pretty well. So I say mm-hmm. there's no limit. So how detailed does a topic has to be? So for example, we're in digital marketing agency. So if I say my evergreen topic is paid search, that's obviously very wide because within that, we could talk about how to create keywords, how to find the best keywords, but we could talk about ad copies, talk about landing pages, URLs, extensions, and you name it. Obviously, there's a wide topic. Or does it make more sense to, to break the the topic further down instead of saying paid search, maybe talking about how to write ad copy or how to pick keywords and then basically selecting content pieces around that more specific topic? That's a great question. So how we do it here at Hrefs, essentially we always look at the keyword and its search intent. So search intent is basically the reason why a searcher is looking for a query in Google. What I would do if I were to write an article about page search is to enter that, that particular keyword into Google. So I'll enter page search into Google. Or if we have our tool set, Hitrefs Keywords Explorer, you can enter it into Keywords Explorer and look at the SERP. But essentially what you want to do is to go through the top 10 results, the first page of Google, and to find out what kind of articles or what kind of pages are ranking and try to figure out like, uh, who is searching for this type of content? Why are they searching for it? And then after that, look at the top 10 ranking results and figure out what kind of topics they cover and why is Google ranking these pages in the first page and not, say, the pages on the second page or the third page. So essentially, mm-hmm. that is my process of figuring out what I need to cover in the piece of content. And uh, yeah, 
And that's how I know kind of like the topics that you cover in that piece of uh, article that I'm writing. When you, when you look at the, the, the search keywords and, and the number of traffic, obviously there's also competition. There are, there are terms that have a higher competition than others. Do you, do you go after the, the high competition, high volume, or are you suggesting, for example, to go more towards mid-competition and, and high volume or, or low volume keywords? What's the best approach for that? So I really think this depends on your site. And it depends on how new or how uh, far into how many, how many years have you been blogging or like writing content or have the site. So f- for us at Hrefs, we are pretty authoritative at the current moment. We have been doing SEO for a number of years, I think three to four years. We've been investing a lot into our SEO. So right now today, we can basically write about almost any topic. Uh, no matter how competitive, and we will stand a decent chance of ranking, basically. Mm-hmm. But if, say, you are a new site, uh, and if, say, you are creating a, you know, a shopping page or a landing page, and the top ten results are from, say, Amazon, eBay, or uh, Walgreens, or any of the large authoritative websites, that you will find it it is very difficult to rank and you will need a lot of investment in SEO. And if you're a new site or you have a small business, you may not have that kind of budget. Mm-hmm. So for me, if I were doing that, or if I were building a new site today, I will go for low competition keywords. And uh, I think it is important at this moment to talk about the idea of keyword difficulty. So I think may- many people, when they are doing content research or keyword research, they may- perhaps start with uh, the most popular free tool, which is Google Keyword Planner. And I think they changed their name recently. I'll just call it Google Keyword Planner for now. And uh, there is a there is a uh, metric, I, I believe, called competition in Google Keyword Planner. So the thing is that Google Keyword Planner is not a tool for SEOs. It is a tool for doing paid AdWords, right? Paid ads. Mm-hmm. And the competition that is mentioned in Google Keyword Planner is essentially talking about the competition of uh, bidding, the competition of uh, you know, being able to appear on the paid search results. So it has nothing to do with SEO. But a lot of uh, beginners, because they, 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 have, uh, they think that Google Keyword Planner's competition metric is talking about the competition in the, in the search results. So they think that there is the metric they should focus on, which is, which is wrong because that, that competition metric does not describe the competitiveness of the organic search results, but rather mm-hmm. the page search results. So if they are using an SEO tool like Hrefs or Moz or SEMrush or whichever SEO tool they prefer, uh, usually these tools have a metric called keyword difficulty. And uh, it, 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 of course, it depends on the tool, how they calculate keyword difficulty. But uh, if you're using those tools, you can do a filter for, say, high search volume, maybe, say, a thousand searches a month and above, and low keyword difficulty, maybe keyword 
difficulty 10 and below. And once you do a filter like this in any of these tools, you will be able to see easily those low competition keywords that you can start targeting for a website first before you move into uh, the more difficult uh, keywords. Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the day, if I believe if there is a keyword that is important to your business that you need to rank for because it basically either describes your business, describes your product, describes your service, then no matter how competitive it is, no, uh, even if you are competing with HubSpot, Shopify, you know, Amazon, eBay, you will still have to find a way to rank on for the keyword, no matter the difficulty. So we talked about how to select keywords and then how important it is to look at the difficulty to rank for those keywords. But why is it important to create evergreen content? I mean, I could just push out content pieces every week. Where, how do I get the benefit from creating content that is evergreen? There's a great question because uh, I think I've talked to many people over the years and they publish articles every day or every week. And, but they realize that you know, their, their blog traffic or their search traffic isn't growing. And you know, they, they, they often wonder why, because if they ask any experts, uh, they will say, you know, publish more frequently. The more you publish, the more likely you will rank. Mm -hmm. But for us, for uh, at HRS, that experience is not true because I think maybe three to four years ago, we were doing the exact same thing. We were publishing very frequently, I think three to four times a week. And our search traffic plateaued at, you know, 15,000 visits a month. And it never grew beyond that. And after that, uh, I think that was when Tim joined the marketing team three years ago, and he uh, redesigned the entire. Uh, maybe redesign is not a word, but you know he re-strategized for our SEO and content marketing, and we decided to purely focus on evergreen content. We decided to purely focus on uh, only creating long-form, unique, and authoritative content. Even if we had to publish once a week or, you know, once every two weeks, we would do it in that manner. And mm -hmm. our search traffic started growing, you know, faster and faster and faster. Yeah, so basically why evergreen topic is important uh, and evergreen content is important is uh, this concept initially introduced by Rand Fishkin. Uh, he was the ex-founder of Moz. And uh, if you look at most organic traffic charts in Google Analytics or Hrefs, you will see that every time you publish a new post, there will be this huge spike of traffic because uh, you know, after you publish, maybe you send that traffic to your email list, maybe you promote it on your social media, maybe you, know, uh, you are promoting it in social media communities like Reddit, Slack groups, Facebook groups, stuff like that. And you get this huge spike of traffic at the start. And you always feel good about it. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a lot of traffic from this uh, particular post that I just published. So in the SEO world, we call this the spike of hope because there is a spike. You know, you're hopeful that this article will be the new one that will give you more traffic over time. But actually what happens is that over time, as, you know, interest starts to disappear, then it, the traffic usually just flatlines after that because the... Because how people create content is that they just, 
you know, sit in a room, they brainstorm, oh, this, this is a topic that my audience likes. Uh, we'll just write about it. And then they never do any keyword research or content research. So they just keep publishing this kind of content. Then they keep promoting it. They get a spike of hope. But because uh, they have no, there's no like search traffic behind, search traffic potential behind all of this content. So basically all of the articles flatline later. Mm-hmm. And uh, we call this the flatline of nope. <laughs> so <laughs> they get a spike of hope and then they get a flatline of nope. So no traffic from any of these individual articles. And then they have to, they basically get stuck in a, in a situation where because all of their old articles get no traffic today. So they have to keep publishing to get the spike of hope to create the false uh, idea that their blog is growing, which, uh, you know, kind of just puts them on the hamster wheel, you know, create content, get the spike of hope, no more traffic after that. Mm-hmm. But if you focus on evergreen content, what happens is that because these are topics that always have interest, they always have search volume. They, in fact, maybe their search volume is growing over time. And once you rank in Google for these particular keywords, you will essentially get like search traffic over time. Like we have articles on our blog right now that you know, maybe we published two, three years ago and we're still getting traffic today. And it's in fact growing. Like we're getting more and more, as we are ranking for more and more keywords, we get more and more traffic over time rather mm-hmm. than experiencing the flatline of no. So this yeah. is the power of evergreen content. So obviously when you... When you go about to identify keywords that are relevant for your evergreen topic, you also should look at whether those keywords have a positive trend because the positive trend in the past obviously indicates that there is a consistency in search traffic. What systems do you use to identify a positive trend of search traffic over time? I would say we don't have a particular system, but what I would do if I were to uh, be researching a keyword that I want to target is that I will put that keyword into Google Trends. So Google Trends is a free tool from Google that shows you the trend of search volume over time. And uh, if you see that a keyword, uh, so for some keywords, they may have a very high search volume, but the thing is that it is a, it's a topic that declines in popularity over time. Mm-hmm. So let's say uh, there was a period of time that fidget spinners had a super high search volume, maybe even a million. I'm not sure about the exact number, but I think if you put fidget spinner into Google Trends today, you will probably see that it's skyrock is like going towards the bottom. Like the interest is uh, is a topic that no is no longer popular. So if you just look at search volume alone, you might think that oh, you know, fidget spinners is a good topic I should cover. You, you are wrong in the aspect because over time, you, you will get less traffic because nobody's interested in fidget spinners anymore unless some ingenious entrepreneur finds a way to reinvent fidget spinners, of course. I mean, for new topics, that, that's probably really difficult to identify a positive trend over time because if there is a new topic, even if it has potential to be an ongoing topic that that people talk about in one, two, three, four, five, six years and more, you wouldn't see that in a a trend chart. You have to then kind of trust your guts or or how would you go about that? Uh, So this is referring to say maybe new topics that Mm -hmm. are in your industry that uh, you do not know that if it's a fad or is going to be affecting your industry positively. Does it make sense? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I'm not sure if I have a good piece of advice for that because basically we do not cover those kind of topics on our blog. We try to avoid that until we uh, get a sense that it will be something that many people in our industry will talk about over time. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe a good example is uh, TF, IDF. So at least I think uh, over the past year, many SEOs started talking about TF, IDF. But we've resisted talking about it for the entire year because uh, firstly, we didn't really believe in TF, IDF. Secondly, we weren't sure whether it was just a fad that, you know, SEOs started talking about and, you know, maybe like three to six months later, they will move on to uh, a new a new shiny thing that they want to talk about. Let's just put it this way. For us personally, because we are involved in the industry, we talk to our customers very often. We talk to uh, fellow SEOs very often. So we kind of have a general sense of what is something that will be important over time and what is something that is uh, that is going to be a fad, you know, that it, maybe it will only be talked about for three months. Mm-hmm. And for that period of time, we will resist covering that topic because for us, there are still many evergreen topics that we can talk about. So we don't have to necessarily talk about the latest trend. Yeah, so we just talk about the more evergreen topics first. And then if we are sure that, you know, as we sit back and observe and we are sure that the topic will be important to the industry in the next couple of years, and th- then we will start to look at the topic. Eskew, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure talking about, you know, evergreen content and how to develop evergreen content. How can people find out more about you? Okay, so uh, you can check out my articles on ahrefs.com slash blog. That is ahrefs.com slash blog. Or you can tweet at me if you uh, want to have a conversation with me on my Twitter account, which is uh, my full name, S-I-Q-U-A-N-O-N-G. No spaces. SQ, thank you for sharing your knowledge on evergreen content with our audience. In the next episode, you and I will talk about how to identify and write evergreen content to generate a steady growth of organic traffic. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.